Welcome to Bed Crime Stories Podcast. I'm your host, T. Good day, my bed crimers. I hope you guys are all doing really well. To anyone new, a very warm welcome. Thank you for checking me out. If after listening to this video or watching it, you find you enjoyed it or learned something, please do me a favor, hit the like button. It really helps me so much. And also consider subscribing. Now, let's get started. The search warrants that were granted to investigators for both the apartment of Brian Koberger in Pullman, Washington, as well as the office he shared with two other teaching assistants on the Washington State University campus were unsealed on Wednesday. Koberger, in the unlikely case that you don't know this, is the suspect in the case of the four slain University of Idaho students, Maddie Mogan, Ethan Chapin, Zana Cronodo, and Kaylee Gonsalves. We cannot forget about them. They are the people that we are fighting for to get justice. They were savagely attacked in an off-campus rental house in Moscow, Idaho. Koberger is also, let me say, right out of the gate, innocent until proven guilty. However, the Moscow police are confident that Koberger is the perpetrator of this crime. The unsealing of the search warrants came as a surprise because we were told they were to remain sealed until March 1st to protect the integrity of the investigation. In releasing the search warrants, the authorities cited the release earlier this month of the 19-page probable cause affidavit that led to Koberger's arrest and return to Idaho. The released search warrant documents included the case law enforcement laid out for why they felt the search warrants were justified. In those pages, the investigators laid out all the items of evidence they felt might be in Koberger's apartment and or office. The released search warrants also included a list of the items that the investigators seized. During the search of Koberger's apartment, we can see from the dates on the search warrants that law enforcement officials submitted the applications for both search warrants on December 30th of 2022, that's the same day Brian Koberger was arrested. And in fact, the applications were submitted just a few minutes after Koberger was taken into custody during a 1.30 a.m. raid on his parents' home in Pennsylvania. Koberger's arrest came after the matching of the DNA found on the snap of a leather K-bar sheath found at the crime scene to Koberger's father's DNA. That match showed the mystery DNA on the sheath belonged to the one and only son of Michael Koberger, 28-year-old Brian Koberger. When requesting the search warrants, the law enforcement officials made it clear to the court that they were on a tight deadline. They believed that Koberger's plan was to return to his life in Pullman after the holidays. Thus, they needed to get inside his apartment and office before he or anyone else had a chance to go in there and possibly remove or destroy potential pieces of evidence. Although he was arrested, I suppose he could have sent someone into his apartment. Who knows? The search warrants were quickly granted, and investigators wasted no time 
entering both the apartment and office. Law enforcement asked the court not to consider the DNA evidence that allegedly links Brian Koberger to the sheath found at the crime scene, saying, and I quote, the reason for this request is that if the DNA test results are held inadmissible at some point, such a ruling would not impact the finding of probable cause for this warrant. So long as this court is satisfied as to probable cause regardless of the DNA test result, end quote. Simply put, that request means that if a judge rules that the DNA on the sheath was obtained unlawfully or that it was tainted, the probable cause for this new search warrant would still stand, and the evidence collected from the search would still be admissible in court. The items the investigators told the court they were hoping to find at Koberger's digs included blood, DNA, the clothing worn during the commission of the crime, shoes with diamond-patterned soles, as well as data compilations of information about the victims and the house where they died. The investigators also thought it possible that the weapon used in the crime might be in Koberger's apartment. Believing Koberger to be the perpetrator responsible for the student's deaths, the investigators primarily wanted to find evidence linking him to the victims and the crime scene, which is the rental house on King Road. So what did the investigators actually find when they were able to access Koberger's second-floor residence at the Steptoe Apartments? Well, not everything they were hoping for. The list of seized items does not include the K-Bar, nor does it include any articles of black clothing or shoes with diamond-patterned soles. But there was a receipt from Walmart and two more receipts from the discount store Marshalls that could be for the items Koberger wore on November 13th if he is the masked man that Dylan M. saw. The investigators will likely have visited those two stores by now, shown management the receipts, and hopefully been able to find out what exactly Koberger bought and if there's any footage from surveillance cameras for the dates listed on the receipts and if they could see Koberger going in or out of those businesses or at the cash register. The Walmart receipt is described as having a Dickies brand tag with it. Now, when I think of Dickies, I think of those sturdy cotton cargo pants that are popular with both men and women. They're relatively inexpensive and come in basic hues like tan, black, dark green, etc. In fact, I think Kylie Rodney, the young lady who went missing from Truckee, California after a party in the woods, and who was later found drowned in her vehicle, was wearing a pair of green dickies in the still shot of her in the Truckee gas station. Do you remember that case? Do you remember seeing her in those pants? I wonder if this tag on the Walmart receipt was for a pair of black dickies 
in Brian Koberger's size. Hmm. Also on the list of seized items was one nitrate black glove. A nitrite, I don't know if I'm saying that right, a nitrite glove, in case you're unfamiliar with that, is an industrial strength glove that mechanics and industrial workers typically wear. They're not the flimsy yellow gloves that people use for washing dishes, but rather are made of a more durable material that is less apt to rip or tear. If this lone black nitrite glove found at Koberger's apartment turns out to be one worn by the person who committed the crime, I will be very interested to see if it matches the black glove that retired detective Chris McDonough of the interview room spotted on the ground just inside the yellow crime scene tape at the student's King Road residence. One glove lying on the ground within the crime scene and one glove found in the suspect's home. Hmm, could they be a pair? I'm wondering if this nitrite glove is cut-resistant. It's not Kevlar from what I can see, so I'm thinking it's not the most durable glove. A savvy criminal wanting to use a K-bar to take out others should have used. There were also those two receipts from Marshalls. Marshalls sells clothing, shoes, and various household items. Could these receipts lead the investigators to clothing or shoes that were worn by Koberger on November 13th? Possibly. Also seized was a dust collector from a Bissell vacuum cleaner. We heard from Koberger's downstairs neighbor that he often vacuumed late at night. Could there be fibers in that dust collector linking Koberger to the King Road residence? There was also a fire TV stick with a cord and plug. The Amazon Fire TV stick is a media streaming device that is used to transform one's TV into a smart TV. It allows you to watch shows and movies from Netflix, Hulu, HBO Max, Amazon Prime in one place on what Amazon describes as an easy-to-navigate platform. Amazon has legal info saying that they reserve the right to assist law enforcement agencies in their investigations of certain crimes. Apparently, Amazon Fire apps can track a person's online activities. In fact, the default privacy settings on an Amazon Fire Stick allow Amazon to collect device usage data. If you don't want Amazon tracking that, you have to go into the privacy settings and turn that off. I wonder if Brian Koberger knew about that. Other items seized include eight possible strands of hair that were listed as one item on the list. Item number five. I heard Chris McDonough say that this sounds to him like a clump of hair. Could Koberger, if he is the guy responsible, have grabbed one of the victims by the hair to hold her down? Is this clump of hair his own? 
did one of the victims reach up and grab his mane in a desperate effort to stop him? Those hairs could have fallen onto him, and he could have walked out of the crime scene basically wearing them. But you'd think if he changed clothes, a clump of hair would go with the discarded clothing. In addition to those eight strands, there were three more items listed as possible hairs, and then one more that was listed as one possible hair strand. There was also one possible animal strand, too. Could that be from Kaylee Gonsalves's dog, Murphy, who was a silent witness to the crime, meaning a witness who saw the perpetrator, but who cannot speak to the investigators about what he saw? I think it would be an absolute miracle if Murphy and his hair are what solved this case. You know, a piece of that glorious butterscotch curly hair. The investigators also walked away with a computer tower. You can bet the investigators will be interrogating the hard drive from that tower to see what images, videos, emails, Word documents, Excel files, music, and other information Koberger saved on it. The authorities may also be able to recover files that he may have deleted from it. Who knows what treasures will be found on that hard drive? There was also something described as one collection of a dark red spot. The warrant said this red spot was collected without testing. I'm assuming the crime scene investigators can sometimes test items while they're in a suspect's home, but maybe for other items, it's better to wait until they get back to the lab. The authorities also seized two cuttings from an uncased pillow that had a reddish-brown stain. It sounds like they cut away these sections from the pillow. They also took two top and bottom mattress covers packaged separately, both labeled multiple stains. One of those covers was described as being tested. I'm assuming that they suspect that red spot and the reddish-brown stains are dried blood. All of these stained bedding items make me think that maybe Koberger wasn't so clean after all when he walked from his Elantra up to his apartment when he arrived home at 5.30 a.m., on November 13th. Was he maybe so tired and drained that he just fell onto his bed and collapsed? If he is found guilty, then we know he would have been utterly wiped out, having done what was done to those four students. That type of weapon requires a great deal of physical exertion, especially when people fight back and struggle. I heard forensic coroner Joseph Scott Morgan say that whoever committed this crime had to have left the scene saturated, saturated in the red stuff. I witnessed Dylan M., at least per the probable cause affidavit, didn't mention seeing any of that on the masked man. 
but it was probably dark in that hallway, and she said the guy was wearing a mask that covered his mouth and nose, and he was also clad in black clothing. The affidavit did not say if Dylan told them that the masked man was wearing gloves, so we don't know if he was or he wasn't. If Koberger is found to be the perpetrator, his white Elantra is almost guaranteed to have some other red stuff in it. Even if he washed it thoroughly, you'd have to be really meticulous and get into every crease and crevice to catch every speck of that insidious stuff. Now that we've seen the very short timeline in which the crime is believed to have gone down, I don't think the offender changed clothes inside the King Road residence. He simply did not have the time. The crime is said to have gone down between roughly 4.04 a.m. or so and 4.25 a.m. And even if he was incredibly quick changing his clothes, I doubt he would have done that there because that would almost guarantee him leaving behind evidence in the way of strands of his hair, skin cells, blood, and clothing fibers. You don't want to leave any of that stuff at a crime scene. Of course, you also don't want to leave a leather sheath with your DNA on it at the crime scene. Yeah, that's a calling card, all right, saying, hey, come over here in Pullman and find me. I'm up on the second floor in my apartment. Maybe we can take a walk and talk about it in the parking lot. I think it's more likely Koberger went somewhere after speeding away from the King Road residence to ditch his clothes, the shoes he was wearing, and maybe even the weapon, if he could find it within himself to part with it. We know that he took a very circuitous route back home, a 50-minute route back to Pullman. The drive, had he gone via Highway SR270, should have taken about 15 minutes, but he chose to take a less direct, 50-minute route instead. I'm convinced he drove somewhere during those 50 minutes to switch out of the saturated black clothing into fresh, clean items. The Dickies' pants were either ditched, burned, or buried, if they were black, or they were put on because they were the clean, fresh pants to wear post the crime. During that stop, I believe the perpetrator may have also tried to wash up a bit, perhaps in a river or using jugs of water he brought in his vehicle. This is when he could have also hidden or thrown away the K-bar. So far, no one is saying if those red stains were in fact blood, and if so, to whom they belonged. We also don't know if the animal hair was found to belong to Murphy. All these things could belong to Koberger. That could be strictly his blood, strictly his hair. The animal hair could be from a dog owned by an earlier tenant. What sounds damning could in fact be perfectly innocuous. Until the next time on Bed Crime Stories, do me a favor, smash that like button, subscribe to my channel, leave me a comment, consider a membership, and I'll see you next time.